What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everybody to the bar. It's your guest host, David Knight from Exposit the Word, standing in for Dwayne. Different host, same show, insane top, top guests. So let's get to it because I am super excited to be coming through your speakers, your earbuds, wherever you are listening to the bar. And as always, we are grateful that you are listening and we love to start off the show by thanking you, the listeners, for tuning in and supporting the show. And just like we do every Tuesday, we bring you another awesome guest and this one is no different. Hello and welcome, Jonathan Cruz. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, Jonathan. Jonathan, please tell us everything that we need to know about you in 60 seconds. That is more than enough time for <laughs> for everything you need to know. Um, I'm a, I'm a pastor in uh, Presbyterian dom- denomination in uh, America, the um, OPC. It's a small conservative denomination, Orthodox Presbyterian Church. <laughs> Began by... Um, um, Jay Gresham Machen, which we're celebrating 100 years of his great book, Christianity and Liberalism. So the OPC is getting a little more recognition this year in 2023. So that's good. Um, and I live in Michigan in a, a smaller town called Kalamazoo. Crazy town name, but it's a real place. It's a college yeah. town, university town. 
And um, I, I've been ministering here for six years now. I live here with my my wife and now three children. We just welcomed our third child, a son, um, two months ago. That would be that was March. I don't know when this will air, but that was March of uh, 2023. So that's it. Father of three, husband to Carrie Ann, and a pastor of Community OPC in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where we came straight from seminary. Uh, we, uh, I did my studies in. Uh, Westminster in Escondido, California, Westminster Seminary, California. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we're uh, me and my wife are actually originally from Pennsylvania, which is the complete other side of the country. So we did PA to California to now we're in the middle of the country in Michigan. And we've been here now six years. Yeah, brilliant. And the exciting things don't finish there. You've just written a brand new book and published with uh, the excellent banner of truth, the mm. character of Christ. Uh, tell us about this. And also, how did you come to write it, Jonathan? Yeah, so the the book, um, you, you wouldn't necessarily know exactly from the title, the subtitle gives it away, but it's a book on the fruit of the spirit, as we find in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Um, and it, it is initially, it was originally a series of sermons that I, I preach for uh, my congregation here in Michigan. Um, I, I was preaching through the epistle of Galatians. And when we got to uh, the fruit of the spirit, I kind of did a, you know, 30,000 foot view, um, look at it briefly in sermonic form. And I said, when we finish the epistle, we're going to come back and and do a, a look at each one of these um, virtues. And so that became kind of a separate series. But I wanted to do something different than what I was seeing in a lot of um, uh, other published work on on the fruit of the spirit, which was I didn't want this to become a um, a sermon series where it's now how can you be patient? You know how can you be kind? How can right, you yeah. be? Yeah. But instead, actually, it was a study of the life of Christ um, through this sort of filter or this um, this lens of the fruit of the spirit, where um, each week we would we would dive into mostly a, a gospel narrative account or um, sometimes uh, something that we'd find in another epistle where it attributed that uh, that particular fruit of the spirit as we worked through the list to Jesus or we saw it exhibited in his life and it became more a study of of Jesus and who he is and then the the how to be like this part is it was more incidental. Um, yeah, it was yeah. you know we as Jesus says in, in the upper room discourse right unless um, you're united to me you can do you can do nothing and he gives the whole um, vine and, and branches illustration there and so unless we're engrafted to the life giving vine we can't bear fruit and so that was kind of the approach it, you know this would not be a profitable study of the fruit of the spirit unless we know the life giving vine so let's study him yeah, yeah and yeah. and the other things will follow from that so um so that was actually right at the start of the pandemic interestingly or or shortly thereafter and the lord was just kind to to our congregation in that i had i had planned this well before that about a year before we knew about any of this but that was just what we needed at that time to 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 relearn Christian virtue in a time when everybody yeah. was anxious and and kind of on edge and and you know um, uh, perhaps you know uh, uh, angry with each other about certain things or or offended and all that. So it was a great time for us to study that, and it was also David, you know, because everybody at that time was now doing live stream. We never did live stream before. Now all of a sudden the sermons are going up and people are watching from across the country and stuff finding us from different places and i was getting uh text messages from some friends in particular my father-in-law who lived in arizona 
as he would watch each week and say, you need to turn this into a book. You need to turn this into a book. And, uh, and I was getting uh, something, some similar encouragement from the congregation. So after that was done, I kind of let it sit for a while, but then eventually went back to it and, and tried to um, tighten it up and, and send it off to Banner. So that's how it came to be yeah. uh, what it is now, the character of Christ. Yeah, that's pretty. You've actually got one there, haven't you? Show us the cover of it, Jonathan. I do. Yes, of course. There it is. Yeah, brilliant. Yes. You know, I, the best the best cover banner's ever done. The best cover any publisher's ever done, if I do say so myself. So, it's a nice. It's definitely a nice looking book, and it's it's nice inside as well. Very very helpful. <laughs> Thank you. So, so let's start at the beginning. What is the fruit of the spirit, and how are they linked to the character of Christ, like you were saying? Yeah, I mean, very, very basically, it's it's that list of virtues that Paul gives us in uh, the latter portion of chapter five in, in Galatians, and, and he uses the imagery of fruit as a means of conveying that that this is something that the Spirit of God produces, cultivates, grows um, in our hearts, and um, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and most gentleness, self control, and I think most. Most Christians, most believers, if they've been in Christian community for any length of time, are familiar with it, at least in some in some respects. Um, how are they linked to the character of Christ, though, is that is that that list that those nine virtues are the perfect description of the character of Christ. Um, it is the spirit's job one of the spirit's jobs to to grow us in in the likeness of Jesus you know we are to be conformed to the image of God's son Romans 8:29 and the spirit is the one who does that and so when we're told in other places of scripture in particular Galatians 5 that this is what the spirit will make us like well then it's a way of saying this is what Jesus is like because the uh, spirit's yeah. job so is good. to make us like yeah. make us like Jesus yeah yeah, so so good, so good. So why is it so important that we have the whole Bible in form of Christ's character rather than just have this postmodern approach where Jesus can be whoever I want him to be, Jonathan? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, yeah, well, that and that's a common notion uh, that that postmodern idea, right? Jesus or God can be you know, kind of whatever I, I want to make him. I would say that. You know, the reason we need the Bible to tell us who Jesus is, to show us you know, what his character is really like, what his heart is like, is because Jesus isn't um, a figment of our imaginations. He's not a fantasy. He isn't um, an ideal. <laughs> he, he was and, and he is a real person. He is a real person. And the Bible is his biography, um, the, the, especially in particular the Gospels. And, you know, um, as I mentioned, you know, in, in the in my book, I kind of in each chapter, we we zoom in or cut out a particular scene from a gospel account. So um, I'm, I'm trying to help Christians uh, recognize that, you know, one of the reasons we've been given the scriptures is to know not just facts uh, about Jesus, not just, um, you know, to inspire kind of warm feeling, fuzzy feelings about Jesus. It's it's to learn who he is, what he's like. This is this yeah. is God's means of actually deepening a relationship with a real person, and that's exactly what Jesus is. So, yeah. if we if we came to that postmodern idea, Jesus can be whoever I, I want him to be. Um, I you know then you're not a Christian. A Christian is a follower of Christ, and if Christ is whoever you want him to be, then you're actually following yourself, and that's, that's not right. what a yeah. Christian is. A Christian yeah. follows Jesus, and the Bible's where we find out who he is. 
Yeah, really helpful. Really helpful. How similar and consistent in character are all three persons of the Trinity? Uh, as similar and consistent as, as, as they can be, right? Um, they're identical. Jesus is not, you know, uh, or Jesus is the manifestation of of the heart of of God, the heart of the Father, by the power of the Spirit. So, you know, I guess sometimes I'm, I'm assuming the question is coming from this idea that sometimes we think of maybe the Father's sort of dour and it's got a frown on his face, grumpy old man, curmudgeon, and and Jesus is. Um, you know, he's, he's more like the, the understanding empathetic mother figure who's, Oh no, no, it's okay. And and tries to, you know, appease the father. Maybe the spirit is some like hippie new age, like go with the flow, man, whatever you want. (laughs) You know, we just get these weird pictures and it's like that the Bible never portray our theology, our reformed theology doesn't allow it. I mean, the confession, Westminster confession talks about how they're, they're same, you know, um, in in essence and in in being. Um, So, so what we, what we see in Jesus, what we find in Jesus is, is what we find in, in um, the essence and the being of God in his three persons. But, but it is that essence that, that, that heart of God come in the flesh. That's, that's what's so unique about the person of Christ and so helpful is that now we can actually, we can see what God is like where before we couldn't, not in that same way. Right. Yeah. 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 If we're honest, I think many of us are falling into this trap at some point in our Christian walk. When we think about the fruit of the spirit, we can often look at them as a to-do list or something to measure ourselves against. Is this how we're supposed to view them, Jonathan? Uh, no, and, and that's that was that was you know kind of the 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 main proposition with which I I began the book or I begin the book is that um, my introductions is called this is not a how to book <laughs> yeah. um, because and uh, I'm I'm not trying to disparage um, other authors who've taken up the subject. There's a lot of books on the fruit of the spirit, and I've benefited from many of them, um, but I think a majority of them do whether intentionally or not kind of um, just almost by default fall into that mode of handling the fruit of the spirit. Here are tips on how to be more loving. And I mean, that is helpful in, you know, uh, to an extent, but is that the point of Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And that's, and, and you know, that's the argument I make is that this is not so much, not so much a demand of God upon us as it is a declaration of God to us of what is going to be true of us or what is true of us when the spirit of God dwells in our hearts. We, we might not be very loving certain days. And in fact, you might find Christians who you, you can say, you know, that person is very patient, but I don't see them as being very joyful. You know, you, you see certain, um, certain of the fruits and in, in your life, you're missing others, but, um, Philippians 1, 6, you know, Paul says, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. The work that God begins is never a partial work. It's it's a complete renovation that he's doing in our hearts. He doesn't miss out on certain areas. So, yes, we might see growth in, in one area, not another. But that doesn't mean um, that that the whole growth isn't there. And again, that's a work that God is doing. God will see it to completion. So if we read um, the fruit of the spirit as this is something I need to kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and accomplish for God, um, it's a spiritually torturous way to read right. that text. Um, the, the son of God uh, came to, to put an end to the sin that would separate us from God. And then by his spirit, he, he, 
he he gave us his spirit so that we can and, and will bear fruit and then and do those things which are pleasing to God. Our sin doesn't allow us to do that, but now we we're not defined by our sin. We're defined by the Son, and we're given the Spirit. And so, as I say, this is not a how-to book. This is a a He is book. This is a He did book. <laughs> this is yeah. this is a book about Jesus. And the more we love Him, the more we um, understand what He's all about. The more we will um, be conformed to His image. Yeah, so good. If someone's listening to this, Jonathan, and they're, and they're listening to us speak and they've made a profession yeah. of faith at some point in their life, but actually they've not seen any of this fruit at all appear in their life, what what would you say to them? That's a hard question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. It's a really good question because I think there are people that struggle with that. And, and um, my assumption is that people who struggle with that aren't going to vocalize that question. Right. It's they're they're ashamed of it and they don't know what to do with that. So they um, but yeah, assuming that that there's somebody listening um, or or somebody listening knows a brother or sister going through that. A couple a couple answers. Um, One would be that um, we need to remember Christians backslide, um, that that's just the reality of the Christian life. Uh, Sanctification is is not is not just this, you know. Um, upward trajectory, just, you know, purely upward, it, it, you know, we kind of up and down, up and down, but over time, you know, it, the upward yeah. growth is what, what gets the victory, but backsliding is a reality. And so maybe this particular person needs to recognize, I made a profession at one time I was on fire for the Lord, but you know, um, I've forgotten my first love. Uh, but sometimes um, we, we also, we, we need to soberly say, you know, if I, if I, don't see any fruit. It, it might be that I've made a false profession. Um, yeah. The our growth in godliness is not the grounds of our assurance of salvation. What I mean by that is, you know, if, if I say, "How do you know you're saved?" and you give me the answer, the reason I know I'm saved, the only reason, and the reason I'm fully confident that I'm saved is because I do good works and I see godliness at work in my life. I would say, um, no, the reason you know you're saved is because God promised to save you if you believe in him. The promise of, of Christ yeah. is the grounds. That's the primary grounds. No, but then there are the secondary grounds, which we can look to for our assurance. And I would want to put sanctification there. You ground your salvation and your assurance of it on the promises of God. But how can you know those promises are real? Well, he's starting to change your life, right? And if you're not seeing anything at all, I mean, literally nothing. Maybe you need to ask yourself, have I actually believed the promises, right? Go back to that first grounds. Do I actually have any reason to think I'm saved? Um, but, but yeah, I don't want to discredit that that grounds it's secondary, but it's still, it's still legitimate. Um, uh, and the new Testament speaks of this, right? Make your confirm your calling and election, make it sure Peter says, and he, he talks about, um, um, adding to our faith, you know, and then he lists these these virtues similar to Paul's list in, in Galatians yeah. 5. Um, Romans 8, uh, 13, for those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God, right? If you're not led by the Spirit in the paths of righteousness, it, it, it would be legitimate to ask, well, then am I a child of God? Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, then, David, I would want to add then another caveat. Um. As Christians, then sometimes, or maybe I should say another answer, then another, you know, somebody says, I don't see growth and grace in my Christian. Sometimes even that recognition (laughs) 
is the sign that the spirit's in you because it might not be that you're not seeing any growth in grace, but you know, you're, you're recognized. I'm not a very patient person, right? I just lack patience. But if it wasn't for the spirit of Christ, you wouldn't have the illumination to have discerned that. Right. And so uh, the, the recognition of sin or, or weaknesses in the, in our Christian walk um, are, or when we feel like we have a lack of growth, that's actually a new a new perception that we didn't have before. And the fact that we have that sense is a good thing. John Newton has a famous poem. Um, I asked the Lord that I might grow. I don't know if it's some, it's been turned into, I mean, it's to him, but it's been kind of popular the last 10 years or becoming popular again, but it's called, I asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace might more of his salvation. know, uh, more earnestly seek his face. And it's like, it's a prayer for sanctification, right? I asked the Lord, isn't that a great prayer? And then uh, it has this turn in the hymn where it says, instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart. <laughs> and it's this like crying out to the Lord, I'm so sinful. Why do I feel this? Why is this so hard? And then the, the prayer concludes with God speaking to the, the singer saying, "This it's in this way that I answer prayer for growth and grace. This is how I do it is by showing you that you need it. Um, so yeah, so if somebody's asking that question in short, I would say, well, Christians backslide that happens and maybe you need to, you know, get back on the horse, so to speak. Maybe you need a question. Have you ever actually accepted the promises of God? You know, there's no fruit at all, but, it, but it could be, it could be that discerning your lack of holiness in certain areas is actually the sign that the spirit's doing work that he wasn't even doing six months ago, yeah. three years ago, whatever. Um, the more we grow, it's this weird paradox, right? The more we grow in holiness, the more we sense we lack it. Yeah, yeah, so good. That's so helpful. And it's often that actually other people notice that growth more than we do. Right? Absolutely, so, absolutely. Right. And so that's what um, this is a whole other podcast conversation, but the importance of the yeah. church right there. You just gave it yeah, to us, yeah, David. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. lone, no Lone Ranger Christianity, because one of the ways in which we can be confirmed of our salvation or grow in assurance is through the holy conversation, the fellowship that we have in the communion of the saints. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Thank you. So let's talk about some of the the fruit now. The word love in English is very limited, isn't it? So why is it so important that we understand the Bible's definition of love? Um, Yeah, because we want to know what God is calling us to. Uh, Love is a command uh, uh, throughout the scriptures. I mean, um, it's it's certainly a command. uh, Love your enemies, for example. And then it's not only command, it's this promise that we find in the fruit of the Spirit. This is what God is doing, right? He's producing love in us. And we, so we want to know, what is he calling me to and what is he conforming me to? And um, if we think of love in the way we use it in the English language, it's conf- it is just confusing. You know, yeah, I, right. it's not God is not calling us to love pizza or yeah. uh, to love our pet, even though we would use that word in, in that way. Um, and so we... We're helped if we understand that this this sort of agape love, and that's, you know, that's one of those few Greek words I think a lot of people have heard and most people know. But it's important to recognize what does it mean. It's that that um, it's that love Jesus talked about. There's no greater love than this that someone lay down his life for his friend. And isn't it so wonderful? Right after that, he says, "And you are my friends." (laughs) It's like, oh, you know, we we receive the greatest love, but. But it's that sacrificial love, right? It requires a, a laying down of ourselves. And so and when the Bible says we need to love one another um, or that the spirit is producing love in our hearts, it's it's actually love that that is hard, a love that is painful. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's why it's important we know. 
Yeah, brilliant. You write in your book that Jesus is the embodiment of joy. Tell us about that, Jonathan. Yeah, um, I come from, uh, or, or where I'm ministering is like the 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 center, the heart, or the mecca, if you if you want to call it that, of Dutch Reformed uh, uh, Christianity in America. So, you know, the people who immigrated from the continent back, you know, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. And so in Michigan, we have all of these uh, cities that are named after the old country, you know, Holland, Michigan, for example. And um, in Grand Rapids, your listeners will know, is a huge publishing uh, center for reformed books. Zondervan, Erdman's, uh, RHB. Uh, Baker are all in the same city. It's it's just crazy, right? But one of the th- one of the things that, of course, the Reformed are known for is being the frozen chosen, right? Is like there is just no life, and um, and so that's kind of the context that I've been called to, kind of dropped in, is a very, uh, um, and I don't mean this, I don't mean this uh, comment in a demeaning way, a sober Christianity, right? That that we take our faith seriously. That's yeah. good. But it can sometimes the pendulum can swing such that it it means there's this kind of feeling or, or reflex that happiness must then be wrong, right? Or 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 um, you know if there's if there's a feeling of of uh, lightness or or yeah happiness joy we're doing it wrong there you know there's something there's a suspicion there i would say yeah. so what i wanted to do in the book in that chapter on joy is to, is to show indeed that jesus is actually the man of joy he's he is the incarnation of joy that you know um for in, in particular because of the context with in which i'm um working but um what i mean by that is is well, for one thing, I say that about all the virtues, <laughs> and it's true. He is, the, you know, he's the embodiment of of joy and peace yeah, and patience yeah, yeah, and kindness. Yeah. But um, uh, you know, we think maybe Jesus is a curmudgeon. We know we know he was a man of sorrows. The Bible says, indeed, um, we know Jesus wept. We know that he chased out money changers. Was he ever happy though? You know, and so I wanted to pull out some some biblical evidence to suggest, yes, indeed, he was not just happy. He was the happiest person who ever lived, um, because I don't think we think about those verses. So I uh, talked about um, how how um, uh, Jesus, just there's anecdotal evidence that he's a man of joy, right? That he was liable to the charge of being a drunk, right? Because he was feasting with certain people okay well you don't get that charge if if you didn't know how to have a good time right or he he knew how to how to dive into the world of children you know he, children loved him and he loved them you can't do that without the spark of joy um beyond that uh, a number of places in scripture attribute uh joy to jesus peter's very first sermon uh in in acts 2 at, at pentecost he quotes psalm 16 which says you've anointed him with the joy uh, with happiness beyond his companions uh attributes that to jesus right so that's a sub point in peter's very first sermon is that jesus was is the happiest man who ever lived right so this is important for us because if being a christian means we're being conformed to christ then we should recognize being christian means we must be joyful that it's in fact not wrong to be joyful that we can allow ourselves to be happy and in fact that's a work of the spirit in us when we can no matter what trials are coming at life right there's this deep-seated abiding can't be rooted out 
a delight in the person of God. And that's what Jesus had, right? Even though he was a man who wept and a man of sorrows, he was a man of joy because he knew the plans of his father and that they were perfect and he rejoiced in them. So Luke 10 tells us that he rejoiced in the spirit. Why? Not because God revealed these things to mighty people, revealed his will, but revealed them to little children. We see he just delights in what God does. I just love that you're doing this, Father, that you're showing your plan and your way to little children, people who don't deserve it. You're, you're wonderful. And he it says he rejoices in the spirit, and we get to do the same thing as Christians. Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. People, I think, can often wrongly connect God's goodness to how happy that person is in that season. Uh, tell us why that's wrong and remind us just how good God is, Jonathan. Great question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> words words fail me, and I try in the book, but of course, words would fail any of us to describe how good um, God is. He he is he is good. He is goodness. Um, and right, if we if we feel like God's uh, good or, or our understanding of God's goodness is tied to our circumstance, then we have a we have a really low or poor. Uh, a clouded view of what goodness is. Goodness has eternal um, significance. It has eternal ends. God's goodness has eternal ends in, at play. Um, and so, yeah, Roman. I mean, Romans eight is the classic verse, right? He's working all things together for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. And that isn't a something that we necessarily see. You know, on on any given Thursday morning, not necessarily. I mean, sometimes we experience, but it's more of that. As we look back on our life, we see every single thing uh, that that's come from my Father's hand has led me to a place that I would never want to be anywhere else than right here in 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 in, in this calling from God. And then that leads us ultimately to glory. All things are working out to um, the the revealing of God's glorious grace. In the return of Christ to see that all things have culminated in in his gospel going forth to the salvation of his people from the ends of the earth. Um, and nothing could thwart that. That's God's goodness. That's God's goodness. And as Christians, we have a view of that 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 the world doesn't have. The problem is sometimes we take the world's perspective of goodness and then we try to define God by that. But we need to remember, no, no, God's goodness is something that that uh, will be discovered or revealed or uncovered in eternity. Yeah, that's so good. I think it's such an important point as well, because often the public face of Christianity here in, in the UK, and I think probably in America as well, is is the prosperity gospel, right? And the world's mm-hmm. definition of happiness and success is the definition of, of, of that that denomination or that, that pool of Christians, right? So when life isn't going the way that they have spoke, you know, named it and claimed it, they then have a real right. big problem because it's like a rug being taken from from beyond behind it um beneath their feet, right? That's right. Yes. So if we if we get this um this idea of joy wrong, the idea of, of God's goodness wrong, we're we're going to it, it's yeah, when you just when you mention the prosperity gospel, it's just it's such a sad thing, right? Um, because it's it's deceptive and it and it leaves people empty in a way that the, if they really understood the gospel, they would never feel empty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Martin Luther has a line in his commentary on Galatians, I think it's Galatians, um, when he's talking about what it means to be heirs of God, um, co-heirs with Christ. He says, "You're not you're not heirs of some rich, mighty man." 
You're heirs of God, the creator of the world. And if a person could fully appreciate what it means to be a son of God, an heir of God, you would rate the the um, the might, the wealth of nations, small change, he says, in comparison yeah. with what you get from heaven. So what's the world to him who has heaven? And we flip that upside down, right? The prosperity gospel flips that upside down. It's like, no, get the world, get the world. And that's how we measure our happiness. And no, the happiness is the is the pronouncement of the gospel that we are heirs with we're heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. What is the world to him who has heaven? That's God's goodness. God's goodness gives us um what we don't deserve, but what we could never live without, which is his presence. We get him in heaven forever. Uh, well, what could be better than that? And the Christian who knows that is joyful in all circumstances. Yeah, yeah, so true. Thank you. When we speak to people who are not Christians, most assume, in my experience, if they believe in God, that is, that they already have some sort of peace with him. Why is that so dangerous, Jonathan? Um, because the lack of peace that, that we have by nature in our sin, in our sinful nature is the greatest problem we have. Uh, that That's what sends us to hell is that we're not reconciled to God, right? So for people to sit on their laurels thinking that me and God, we're, you know, we're buddies, we're good, we're on, we're on good terms, that's, that is um, dangerous unto damnation. Yeah, yeah. How did Jesus display perfect faithfulness? Um, in, in the book, um, I, to, to unpack faithfulness, I actually go to the high priestly prayer. Um, in John 17, where he says, um, I finished the work that you've given me to do. And I think that that line right there is just a helpful way to unpack what does it mean that he's faithful, especially because we are generally thinking of faithful or faith kind of in subjective terms, like I have faith or my faith is weak right now. Um, well, so, you know, and, and if I, my faith is in Jesus, what does it mean that Jesus is faithful? Like, you know, how, how does that work? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and so, no, we're, 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 we're talking about faithfulness in, ter- in terms of this steadfastness, this dependability. Um, that that's the the fruit that the the spirit is working in our in our lives. It's not the it's not the um, fruit of belief, but the the fruit fruit of of dependability of of being true to your word of, of being um, a constant. And depend, yeah, dependable person. And so the faithfulness of Jesus is seen in that he, Philippians 2, right? He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he came and emptied himself. He became a servant of servants to the end, even to death on a cross. And because of that, God has highly exalted him. And that's Jesus' prayer in John 17. I finished the work that you've given me to do now. Let me share in that glory that, that we had since before um, the beginning of all time. So he's faithful in that he, he, executed he accomplished the work of redemption if it wasn't for the faithfulness of jesus we would have nothing to put our faith in yeah yeah for jesus to have lived a perfect sinless life and we know that he had perfect self-control tell us about that jonathan yeah so um uh self-control we talk about um the the ability to um to wait on a perceived um, good or withhold a perceived or present desire because you have the knowledge of a guaranteed better good in the future. Um, and in the book, I call it a power. It's a power to wait. I mean, and that's coming from um, uh, the Greek language too. 
um, Kratos, which is, you know, we democratic, the power of the people. And um, so the idea of it being a, a power is important for us to see that self-control isn't weakness. So when we say Jesus had self-control, it's not that he was weak and that he, he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. It's that he had the power to wait on a perceived good or withhold a present desire with the knowledge of a guaranteed better in the future. And where that comes out, uh, where that comes on display is in particular the Garden of Gethsemane, where he, he shows us really the perceived good or the present desire, right? I want this cup to pass for me. But that line right after, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's the key. That's self-control. And if Jesus didn't have self-control in that moment, there goes the perfect sinless life that we yeah. need, right? Yeah. If, you know, if he said, uh, Lord, this is what I want. I want you to let this cup pass for me. And if you don't, I'm running. Yeah. Then, then where's where's the cross? Without the cross, where's substitution? Uh, without substitution, yeah. where's salvation? So the power that Jesus displayed by by willing himself um, to to um, uh, submit to to God's plan is is everything for the Christian, and that same power is given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. We've not even scratched the surface of, of all that you cover yeah. within the book. This is just literally a taster, isn't it? Um, so, so good. One one of the ditches that we can fall into once we have been a Christian for some time and having had the spirit produced fruit is to become puffed up and develop a posture of thank you, Lord, but I'm not like that sinner over there. Right. Yeah. What can we do yeah. to make sure that we avoid that, Jonathan? Um, I, I would just say that one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that the fruit of the spirit isn't isn't um, the, an extensive list of what the spirit does in our in our lives, which is that you know he does produce more than just those nine virtues, and one of the things he produces is humility. Um, so if we really if we really are um, being led by the spirit, humility will come too. And and even if we lack that, we need to recognize it's not consonant with the character of Christ and the character that we're called to, right? So if, if we're saying, look at me, I am so loving and I'm always happy and I'm always exercising self-control. Uh, okay, but yeah, but the spirit wants you also to be a humble person, right? Because again, as we said at the very beginning, David, this is something God's doing for you. You're not doing in and of your own, uh, of your own strength. So when, the, when it clicks really for the Christian, like what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be sanctified, and you see... It's not me. It's Christ in me. It's the spirit in me. Humility, humility comes. Yeah, very good. Well, Jonathan, you're definitely the man to ask this next question to. How should marinating on the character of Christ lead us to worship? <laughs> um, uh, well, we can talk about that one for another hour, but I would just say that one of the things should be that we recognize that it's, it is the love of Christ to sinners, the, the love of God to sinners, right? That, that, sent the son to the world in order to become these things for me, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. He did this for me. He displayed this character for me, um, for my salvation. And without him, I have nothing. Uh, when you, when you think about that, when you reflect on that, the only proper response is to bow down and to worship. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens when we worship Jonathan? Good question. I think there's a book on that. <laughs> What's it called? Um, I think it's called What Happens When We Worship. <laughs> um, 
uh, what, what the, this, the short answer, my short answer for that great question. Um, one of my favorite questions is we meet with God, this, this God that, you know, the God that we've been talking about today, David, you know, um, who came uh, in the flesh some 2000 years ago and lived this life for me. How can, how can I get to know him better? How can, how can I be with him? And God promises us it's actually in, in public worship that he makes his presence known in a very special way. And so, uh, we get to do something that we we cannot do in in you know in any other sphere of life. You know, I, I, it's not part of my um, you know my job as an engineer or as a businessman. It's not part of the my studies in school. It's not part of the chores I have to run each uh, or errands I have to run each week. There's something unique about what happens on the Lord's Day when the Lord calls His people, and that special thing is we meet with Him. We actually get Him. Um, and when you, when you, when you recognize that, then Sunday is the best day of the week, right? And nothing can top, can top that. Yeah. So true. Well, we're going to make sure wherever you're listening or watching this interview, there's going to be a link to both of these books in the description below. So make sure that you check those out. Jonathan, we're about to take a very quick break and then we'll come back with the free signature bar questions. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. So, Jonathan, as you know, every single guest that comes onto the bar gets asked these three very important questions. Are you ready? I'll do my best. It's all been going very well so far, so you've got it all to lose at this point, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Question one, what kind of music do you listen to? Um, it depends what I'm doing. Um, when I'm when I'm writing sermons, I you know I'll, I will usually in the background have um, I have a classical music playlist that I like or a sacred music playlist. Um, right now, I've really been into the music of of the composer he's a he's a um, contemporary composer josh bowder everybody should look up josh bowder and his hymnody he has a great album called grace alone um which is is one is wonderful music he sets i think it's like 10 or 12 um familiar mostly familiar hymns some unfamiliar like by newton um to new tunes and there's orchestration and choir it's great um if i'm not if i'm not doing oh and oh yes i have to say this too and sometimes soundtracks so lord of the rings soundtrack by howard shore is the best sermon writing 
um, soundtrack that there yeah. is. So, yeah, like you know, I'm, I'm just like you know imagining Aragorn like you know taking the the army of Gondor out against you know uh, the, the forces of Mordor, and that's why I'm like, okay, I'm really gonna write this application now. It's coming, people. Um, so that that would be for sermon prep. Um, I I really enjoy uh, like folk rock, indie folk rock you know if i'm just in the car going for a run i don't know how much more detail do you want you want my band recommendations to everyone? <laughs> yeah go for it go yeah go for it <laughs> as long as there's no judgment uh uh dawes dawes is really good that i've been liking dr dog is my favorite band um the head and the heart's pretty good uh tallest man on earth uh, those josh ritter those would be some and of course, there's the classics, the Beatles, Billy Joel. You can't beat these guys. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, if you're listening and you know any of these bands that Jonathan's talking about, make sure that you tweet him so that he can feel really good about all of his choices. <laughs> <laughs> Next signature bar question. What book or books are you currently reading, Jonathan? Uh, well, I, I'm assuming like kind of non-sermon prep books. Um, right now, I try to I try to do like a fun book. On my bedside table, and uh, right now I'm reading a book called "Everything Sad Is Untrue." I saw that recommended by a number of people, and it's um, an account of an um, Iranian immigrant who's it's this young boy is writing as though he's 12 years old, but it's given his story now that he's an adult. Um, And but he's writing from his 12 year old perspective now in Oklahoma. He was living in over in the middle east and his mom was converted she became a christian and um and they they had to flee for their lives now and at this point though he's not a christian his sister's not a christian his dad thought it was so despicable that he stayed back so it's just his mom taking the kids and moving to the states um because of her newfound faith and trying it's about him assimilating to american culture and yeah and uh it's it's a fascinating book everything sad is untrue um yeah yeah so that's what i'm reading right now yeah, very good. Very good. Last signature bar question. What podcast or sermons do you listen to? Uh, podcasts, I, I really enjoy. Um, I get my daily dose of worldview analysis from Al Muller in the briefing. Yeah. So, and we're coming up here, uh, and it's going to be July soon, David, and he takes his, his hiatus there in July. And I just don't know what's happening in the world for a whole month without without that. So um, <laughs> that that's that's difficult for me. Um, but yeah, I love yeah. that White Horse Inn uh, with Horton. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gospel Bound, uh, the interviews that Colin Hans- Colin Hansen at the Gospel Coalition does, um, or or some of my go tos. Um, oh, I really I've really been enjoying. Um, Mark Dever and Jonathan Lehman's podcast, um, Pastors Talk. And I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's like a 20 minute, sometimes 15 minute. They just take a topic and they they go at it real quickly. Uh, really okay. practical. Yeah, really helpful. And they're both hysterical. Yeah, you know, Mark Dever's got a great sense of humor. So listen to that. And then I got a whole host of other, you know, non non Christian podcasts I listen to. Yeah, actually one one I really like listening to is a um it's called British Scandal. Have you heard of that? <laughs> What's it about? It's it's about like political scandals in, in Britain. There's like oh, we've they have lost like twenty. Yeah. Uh, seriously, there's like twenty three series. Like they, like they come out like every few months, and they're like six episodes long each series. And you know, so I'm using the word series instead of season because I'm trying to. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> but yeah, it's like two British uh, um, 
they're they're kind of comedic. I'm sure they're comedians in in, in real life, but they they'll they'll kind of in narrative form explain a you know or a business scandal or just something that like kind of it's almost true crime, but not really. It's not usually you know dark or grotesque, but it's just like yeah. it's just kind yeah. of showing you yeah. the underbelly. It's like, and but they're really funny, so so that's that's a good one. If we're doing a long car ride, we'll, we'll put that one. On. I'd have to check so, that out. They've got enough yeah, material to keep them going twenty four seven, haven't they, Jonathan? Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. We're, we're so so good. Before we let you go, please take a moment to let us know your closing thoughts, and also let people know how they can follow you on social media. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure to talk about the, this book, The Character of Christ, and I hope it can be uh, helpful in, in showing people just that, the heart of Jesus. I, I I do want people to pick it up and not feel burdened by a list of, of demands. I need to be better. I need to do this. God's not going to love me if I'm not these things, but rather fall in love all over again with this God who would say to us, um, this is what you need. To, to get into heaven. And this is what I, I gave you. I gave you what you need in the person yeah. of Jesus Christ and to just to let our love and joy for him uh, grow. Um, so thank you for giving me an opportunity to discuss it. Um, people could find, is that what you asked? How can people find me or, yeah. or something? Yeah. Or something. Uh, I'm not really uh, on social media a whole lot. I do have a Twitter account or Twitter handle that I think my wife mostly runs, but you can check it out. So that's at Jonathan L. Cruz, L. from Landry. Um, I, yeah, I need to get better at, at checking that out every once in a while. But um, for productivity's sake, a couple of years ago, I deleted it off Twitter off my phone. And yeah, um, yeah. and uh, I've just never I've never gone back. But I'll ask my wife every once in a while, hey, do I need it? Yeah, did anybody tweet at me? Is there anything going on? What's going on? So um, people can feel free to to at me as they say and maybe i'll get back yeah yeah <laughs> well we'll make sure that we dig out those links and the links to the books as well and they'll be in the description below jonathan thanks again for your time i've really enjoyed it thank you thank you so much david and to the bar listeners thank you again for tuning in and make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you can get the show every single tuesday and just like today we have some top top guests coming up that you do not want to miss out on and remember to check out the bar podcast website where you can listen to Dwayne's huge archive of interviews which will keep you nice and busy until next time to laugh for now 